I think people just take it for granted, like you're saying, it's not really that bad. And it's not until, I feel like it's not until you do have a health crisis, you might not even know that you're having a health crisis, but all of a sudden it gets to a point that could be a point of no return and, and then you begin to realise, oh, my God, this is, I shouldn't have been eating that. That's, I think that's when most people decide to make a change, which is, is a shame because there's so much of life to live. Uh, hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Meet Medic podcast. Today, I'm joined by my very special guest, uh, Linda Rose, who has a, a great health journey that she wants to share with us and everything that she's learned since then and what she's doing with that knowledge now. So, Linda, maybe you could give us a little bit of background about yourself. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's my pleasure as well to share some information because I know sharing of information on different levels gets the story out to different types of people. So I live in Perth. I have four grown children and six little grandbabies. Um, I live on a bit of acreage. I began my health journey, I am going to say in 2000, and, well, probably was before 2011, because first of all, I had Hashimoto's problems. And then it, I um, developed non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2011 which of course sent me on the spiraling journey of why has this happened? What can I do to stop this from being worse than it is? Um, and I just ended up, through, through that treatment, I ended up losing my spleen. Um, big, long journey, lots of lessons along the way, um, but it taught, it kind of sent me into the tunnel of nutrition and I ended up doing a Bachelor of, of Nutrition with Torrens. Um, I finished that only about 18 months ago because it ended up being a bit protracted for other reasons. And, um, yeah, so I'm just in Perth trying to spread the message and um, get people to listen to the freedom that nutrition can bring. Yeah, wow. I mean, absolutely. I think freedom is is a great word, um, and uh, we'll get we'll get into what you're doing diet wise soon. But uh, certainly, a lot of people uh, on on carnivore diet, and this obviously is main, mainly based around carnivore, uh, find freedom. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've certainly found freedom myself. Mm -hmm. I've had my own health issues and dietary issues, and we can talk about those, of course, if we want to. But uh, yeah, freedom is a is a really really good word. Um, so your journey started really from your own kind of personal health experience. It sure did. And I guess um, for me, I don't know how much people know about non-Hodgkin's. My kind of non-Hodgkin's is, is an indolent kind of non-Hodgkin's. So it's supposed to always be present in my body. Um, but it hasn't, I haven't had any other further issues. I had treatment that took up probably five years of my life, which you, you know, people complain about the price of food and how much the carnivore diet might cost you in, in, a, in effect to buy the food in the first place. But you can't ever pay for those five years that you lose in hospitals, having x-rays, having CT scans, having blood tests, going back for treatments, coming home, all the stress and the pressure that's involved with going through that journey. Um, if we could just stop ourselves from having that by eating, you know, nutrient-dead foods in the first place, then it would really make our life a bit more simple. You just can't, you can't marry up the cost of your health to the cost of food is probably what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, and, and certainly cost of cost of food is is an issue for a lot of people nowadays. We know that, of course, with inflation, you know, rocketing rocketing prices. Um, it, you know, I, I went to I don't know if it was a typo or not. I went to Costco the other day, and it was something like thirty eight dollars a kilo for watermelon. I, I hope that oh. was a typo. But, oh, I but, hope it was. <laughs> yeah, because that's meat. That's meat know, prices. I, I, kind of, <laughs> I know. I mean, we we kind of we kind of looked at that and we went. Yeah, that might not actually be a typo. Um, probably was, but yeah, you kind of when you when you start to think that might not actually be a typo, but it shows you the 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 level it is, isn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, cost cost of living, of course, is is a big issue, and cost of food is a is a big issue. And I have this this conversation with some people, um, but you're absolutely right that you know, dent, nutrient dense food when cost of living is an issue. Actually, we should be seeking out that nutrient dense food. We should be spending the money where it is best placed mm-hmm. to be spent. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, a lot of people will end up spending less money if they actually did that. That's, that's what I've found because I think I mentioned to you I've started to move more into the carnivore space, um, mm. which is a new a new place for me. Um, so I've noticed that if I do eat a nice big round fat piece of sirloin or you know one of those um, tomahawk what are they? Tomahawk steaks. That's all you need to eat pretty much for the day, right? It fills you up. So I guess I can buy one of those steaks for around $15 maybe for per steak. So if you think you haven't eaten breakfast and you haven't gone out for a coffee and you don't eat much for dinner, then you're not doing too bad with your food from my perspective. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And actually, when we when we switched to to carnivore, I mean, I, I'm doing full carnivore. Um, yeah, well, yeah, good. kind of pure pure carnivore. Sure. Uh, my wife is is more animal based because uh, she's pregnant at the moment. She's oh. not really keen to do full carnivore. Yeah, um, and it's not officially recommended. Anyone out there that's you know screaming in the comments already, uh, not officially recommended for pregnancy. My my kids, they're also not full carnivore because again, not recommended for kids. They're you know, predominantly animal based as well. Mm-hmm. But our, our food bill went down actually quite significantly. We saved mm. probably a third of our food bill, I would estimate. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is which is significant. I mean, that's three, four hundred dollars a month with with a family of five. That's that that's a pretty lot. significant saving that is. there. Yeah. yeah. Um so so you're currently you just mainly eat one meal a day? Um some days. Some days. It depends on when I bought my protein and when I'm not rushing out somewhere else and did I have time to cook it, those kind of days. I'm pretty much eating one meal a day um, and a, maybe just a light light dinner, like a couple of boiled eggs if I decide that I'm hungry. That's all I'll have. Um, I teach Pilates a few nights a week, so those nights I tend to have the bigger lunch and then I don't have dinner, so that's two nights of the week I don't tend to eat dinner. Um, yeah, that's how it's working for me at the minute. Yeah. yeah, and you find that's working well for you with your well, health issues and yeah, I can see. On. Well, I can see as well. You know, I've gone down the pathway of doing some more resistance training and some weight training and trying to change my body composition around um, because I've noticed. Obviously, teaching Pilates, I need to have a bit more strength than my clients because I have to keep ahead of them in the pack. Um, but I've noticed the more protein I eat, the more responsive my body is to put on a little bit more muscle strength I can't see it yet it's only been probably since the end of December that I've started playing with this a little bit um but I feel stronger like I can hold my plank for Mm. a bit longer and I can you know stand on one leg a bit longer than I used to be able to it's just little increments that I'm noticing um my sleep is fantastic I'm sleeping eight nine hours a night it's just I don't have those cravings of oh did I want to have 
an extra meal or am I am I craving something savory because I eat that meat with salt so my body's not really craving um like mm. it used to so it's I think I think anybody's health journey if I can say is so uh unique unique to them because for me my health journey probably started when I got sick in 2011 and I kind of tried this and tried that and I know for me um releasing sugar out of my intake was difficult like you don't realize how much you're dependent on sugar until you don't have it in your diet anymore and um now I don't crave it at all I'm not after that sweet biscuit with my tea that's been a long time um, that that has changed but I think the more you go down the journey and the more you see your body responding to the better nutrients that you're putting in it the much easier it is to make the choice to eat the better food in the first place it's a real Mm -hmm. I don't know what's the egg before the chicken kind of a thing, but you just have to learn what your body responds to and what's best for you because it might be different for me for somebody else. So I feel like it's a really unique journey. Is that Would you say that's fair? I'd say that's very fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that's very, very fair. And I think we all have a, a one generic kind of basis for our diet. We're all, we're all human beings. We're all one species. But I, I think there's definitely nuances, and mm. this is when because uh, unless you you raise, you know, you, you genetically identical twins, separate them from birth, you know, and so on, and, and raise them in a lab, like exactly the same, you know, conditions, same stress, same music, same birds tweeting outside. I mean, we've all had it's, it's, it's that it's that butterfly effect, you know, uh, the the compound effect of things that happen in our lives. There's going to be differences. We all have different medical conditions. We're all at different stages of metabolic health and so forth. Um, so there's going to be differences in, in how people respond to certain foods, um, different mentalities, different, uh, ways that they manage that food, uh, and food addictions and, and difficulties with eating and so on. So no, I, I think that's very, very fair to say that we all need to find our own journey. We all need to find what works for us, but I think that's the key thing. Uh, it's finding what works for us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not what somebody else tells you. Uh, and this is a problem I had. I just did a recent video, released it yesterday. You know, a bit of a rant about the mod, the, uh, the you know, the idea of a balanced diet, quote unquote, mm, and, mm, and mm. everything is fine in moderation. You know, one of the issues I have with that is most people can't moderate. No, no, they and, can't. And that's the thing. And that might work for some, but it, but it doesn't work for many. And then, they're, but they're using that as a framework that's never going to work for them. So they've, they've got to find what actually works works for them. Um, so you, you mentioned that you're you're kind of getting more into that into that carnivore space. How, how did you get into that in the first place? Right. How did I get into that? That's a great question. Um, so I, way back in November, I took part in a study at my local university and they wanted women of a certain age um, to partake in this study and we had to have a DEXA, DEXA scan and then another DEXA scan two weeks later and on that DEXA scan I, I was on the pathways they had two pathways they had one that was the intermittent feeding and exercising or time restricted eating and exercising and one that was just the time restricted so I was on the time restricted one uh, which meant I couldn't eat anything after 5 p.m because I had to eat four hours before I went to bed that was my last meal And in that two weeks on that DEXA scan, my body apparently, which I found really hard to take and it broke me, had gained 
one kilo of body fat and lost a kilo of muscle. So I, d- I don't know how that, that worked. Yeah, so that sent me on a little tyrant because I thought, man, I'm eating keto, you know, I'm making sure I'm eating nutrient-dense food. How has this happened? I don't want to lose that muscle and I don't want to put on a kilo of body fat. So I found somehow stumbled across um, Dr. Anthony Chaffee on um, uh, Instagram and I just went down the story of carnivore diet. It just made sense to me. Um, But I just had to get my head around not having the vegetables on my plate, thinking that I needed to have those greens. And the more I researched, I found that the greens probably weren't helping me and probably were robbing me of nutrients in the in the digestive process. <clears throat> so that's how that all began. So from November to December, I kind of played around with it a little bit. And that's mm. that's what I've been doing. I think the hardest thing is when you go out for a meal at a, at a restaurant, I mean, I probably don't even bother doing that anymore because I know I can eat better at home. <laughs> so that doesn't... You know, I don't bother. Yeah. I don't want to pay for that meal that I know <laughs> is probably not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right there. When when mostly, you know, what you cook is just steaks all the time, you get pretty good at cooking them and then you, mm. you go out and you realize that you know, you're paying a lot of money for something that's actually not as nice as you could make at home. Um, and it's probably not as good quality either. Um, yeah, I mean, what you're kind of referring to there, I guess, is anti-nutrients. Uh, we, can, we can get into that. Of course, uh, and that that is a very very important uh, conversation point. Um, so uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I Dr. Anthony Chafee is who got me into you know carnivore. Um, unknowingly, I just went to I heard him at the low carb down under twenty twenty two, and yeah, and it, and it, yeah, it, it kind of just made sense. I don't know if it's just the way he talks, the way he says it. I don't know, but um, anyone out there that's watching or listening that doesn't know who Dr. Anthony Chafee is, he's a, a neurosurgical trainee i think he's still a trainee in uh, in perth in double w- w- anyway yeah he's in wa I, I don't know if it's perth or not um but uh he uh he has a podcast called the plant free md mm. and he, he guests on a lot of other podcasts and, and he, he, he makes a lot of sense he makes a convincing argument and, and he convinced me to try and within within two days i just felt amazing so and I've, I've not looked mm. back since I, so. yeah i feel better um, on the diet for sure on that way of eating i'm not going to call it a diet because it's the way of eating isn't it like it the normal way we should be eating yeah that that's it absolutely um let's uh let's just backtrack a little bit so you you actually found that you lost muscle on this DEXA scan um can I just clarify did you did you do exactly the same before the DEXA scan for both because DEXA Um, scans can be fooled can they? I'm glad you're telling me that because I, in my, in my instinct, which I'm trying to think about, my instinct telling me, don't you believe that DEXA scan? It wasn't right. That's what it's <laughs> telling me. So I guess, yeah. I guess for me, not eating after 5 p.m. was a change, and I got dreadful cramps in my calves, and I was drinking my salt and taking on extra calcium to try and alleviate that. So that was a big change for me was not to eat after five. You know, normally yeah. my dinner is about six thirty. Yeah, they, they actually can can be can be fooled, and that maybe is a flaw in that study design. They should have kind of made people do exactly the same, you know, for each DEXA scan, mm. um, really for for actually probably a couple of days. Because even if you if you go from say like a, a normal kind of standard diet, you're eating lots of carbs, to then yeah. a, a keto diet, um, you'll probably find you actually gain fat uh, and lose muscle uh, because uh. the DEXA scan uh, is actually it's not a it's not a it doesn't tell your body fat percentage or lean body mass by actually scanning. Uh, it's still an estimate. 
Uh, it's a good oh. it's a good estimate but yeah. it's actually still an estimate and mm-hmm. it estimates your your kind of it, it they check your mass uh and then they estimate your your fat percentage and lean body mass from from your muscle mass essentially is my understanding anyway yeah so if you've got less muscle glycogen because you're now on a on a keto diet or you've actually fasted longer than maybe you did before you will appear to have less muscle oh so you'll actually appear to have more fat uh, the other thing is if you go, if you eat, eat like a big burger or something, then it can, it can essentially look like muscle, uh, and then it can tell you, you've lost more weight, uh, than uh, you have. Cause you've yeah. got this, this pound, pound Mass of fat, a pound of, pound of mus- muscle in your stomach and so on. Oh gosh, so okay. yeah, they, they, they aren't, uh, they actually can be fooled. Uh, and so you may not have actually lost well, let's hope. muscle because, and gained fat. Yeah. Because the whole other reason for me to try and um, eat more in a, in a carnivore sense is because I know as you age, you need to keep your muscle. And that has been prominent in my Pilates mm. classes because I can see some of my clients who are, who are a bit younger than me can't stand on one leg, you know, and they don't eat enough protein to feed that muscle because obviously your muscle needs that protein to grow and respond. And if you're protein poor, which most of you know, the normal diet is protein poor, normal diet, um, then you'll mm. lose muscle. You won't you won't regain or keep that muscle on your skeleton and as you age, it's quite fraught with danger. Yeah, absolutely. And we know studies show that the the, the lower your muscle mass, the more likely you are to uh, to end up in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, di- directly proportional, which which nobody wants, uh, really, no. of course. Um and yeah, muscle muscle mass, and I did a, did a, an episode on this, I think, before. You know, muscle mass it's not muscles are not just for vanity. No, they are, they are so important yeah. for our for our health, our mm-hmm. metabolic health, our core health. Um, and of course, on a carnivore diet, typically we see people's you know bone density going up as well as just their their, their yes, muscle I have mass, read that. Yeah. which of course is in, is is very very important as we know. You know, hip fractures are, are a major cause of of morbidity and mortality. Mm-mm. Um, so very, very important. Um, yeah. and yeah, and I often say to my, to my more elderly patients, or even, even my younger people, actually, I mean, sometimes in their forties and fifties, you know, they can almost barely get up off the chair by themselves because they're yeah. just, they're, you know, they, they look okay with their clothes on, but they've just got very little to no muscle mass, it's um, called, and sarcopenic um, obesity. Yeah. Under yeah, muscle, the so-called fat. Exactly, quote unquote skinny fat we used to call yeah. it, um, and and they, you can see they're almost struggling to get up off the chair uh, mm. themselves, and and they're in their forties. It's just it's it's absolutely crazy. Mm. Um, but there's there's a there's a good test. One of the GPs I work with, uh, she does a, a quite a bit of work in similar to yourself with with yoga. I think it is uh, maybe not 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 Pilates, but um, she teaches you know some some kind of uh, older women uh, classes. And, uh, yeah, she gets them to do this kind of exercise. I won't, I won't demonstrate it, but, uh, <laughs> she gets them to kind of, kind of squat, do like a one legged squat. Uh, and, and basically if you can't, if you can't do that, then, then actually that's, that's not a great, Mm-mm. you know, place that's to hard. be at really. Yeah. Um, you mentioned anti-nutrients a moment yes. ago. Yep. Um, I wonder if you could maybe expand on that a little bit just for, for the audience that maybe is thinking what, what on earth is an anti-nutrient? <laughs> anti-nutrients. Well, I have been reading up lately on oxalates in um, plants. So as far as I understand, they're a nutrient or a defence mechanism in the plant that um, the plants put out to stop you or a predator from eating them. And our bodies don't 
cope well with oxalate loading. Um, my husband's having a bit of trouble with that at the minute, which is why I've been researching about it. So he's now on a low oxalate diet. And finally, I have actually got him more into a keto, into a carnivore type of eating plan because when you're living in a household and one of you isn't quite on the same pathway, it's a bit tricky to keep making meals. So I'm glad that he's swinging over to my way of thinking, which is can only be right. Um, so <laughs> anti-nutrients, as far as I understand, um, just don't sit well in your body and they actually create well, they make your body use more energy to expel them and di- try and digest them, and they just aren't good for us. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oxalates is a very good example. Uh, it's one thing that I talk to a lot of patients about oxalates, and uh, uh, definitely, if people are wondering what oxalates are, they should go and do some research into it. But yeah, effectively, they're they're a form of plant toxin, uh, an anti nutrient, and they can mm. interfere with a lot of processes within the body. And potentially implicated, uh, potentially not not proven, but potentially in- implicated in a lot of health conditions. Um, I know people like uh, Sally Norton, yes. uh, who does a lot of work Fantastic. in oxalates, um, yeah. talk about you know the risk of risk of breast cancer going up and so on as well, uh, widespread inflammation and, and so forth. Um, so they, they're, they're incredibly important, and they can interfere with a lot of processes and, and interfere with absorption of. Mm nutrients and minerals hence the term anti-nutrient yeah um and, and anyone that's wondering about oxalate should go and have a look up i think they call themselves the wizards of ox i think on on, on youtube oh, okay i've only um, looked at I sally's sally, site yeah sally norton's part part of that that tribe i think i think there's i think there's three of them uh, three, three, three women. Uh, I can't remember the other two. I apologize if they're listening to this. Um, but they, they've, they've got some really good information about oxalates. And oxalates are just one example, of course. I mean, we talk about things like lectins. Oh, yes. Um, gluten. You know, gluten. Le- le- lectins are, a, are a, real, a real problem. Gluten yeah. is a real problem. And gluten, gluten is the one that everybody knows about. Um, but people think gluten, oh, it's just it's celiac disease or it just upsets you a little bit. Um, but gluten can cause real issues with people. Before I gave up gluten, which was probably about nine years ago now, I haven't eaten gluten, well, that I know of, that I'm aware of, um, I had psoriasis in my hair. In, and when I would go to the hairdressers, they couldn't cut my hair properly and they'd have to cut around. And as soon as I gave up gluten, I would say within a month that was all gone, it was all clear and gone. So gluten for me has been a real, yes, I don't have it anymore and I'm, I don't have the sores in my head or anywhere else. So I was glad that that went away. So that's a good example of an anti-nutrient. I think people just take it for granted, like you're saying, it's not really that bad. And it's not until, I feel like it's not until you do have a health crisis. You might not even know that you're having a health crisis, but all of a sudden it gets to a point that could be a point of no return. And, and then you begin to realise, oh, my God, this is, I shouldn't have been eating that. That's. I think that's when most people decide to make a change which is is a shame because there's so much of life to live yeah you're absolutely right and and i see it all the time with people you know they yeah. they they almost don't know that they're unwell no uh, which sounds no. which sounds which sounds odd um mm-hmm. but i think people are so used to just feeling unwell um and, and being told that that's normal you know being told well you're just getting old yeah you know, you're just you're just you, you've got kids you've got grandkids whatever like you're just old just that's what happens it's normal to go on like yeah, 25 right. medications by the yes. time you're 60. And, I, I'm you know, amazed and, how many of my yeah. friends are on medications. I'm not on any yeah. medications. I don't take anything. And I was turned 60 in December. So 
it's hard yeah Yeah. it's hard for me to watch um people that I've mixed with socially that are you know I'm trying to be a leading light or a change or let them see that you don't have to have sore backs and sore knees and sore whatever's you you can change your diet to help your body heal Mm. itself Mm. Do, do you talk to your friends then about what you're doing diet wise yeah i'm all over it <laughs> they are sick and tired of me hearing of hearing me but you know if i go to a restaurant and i just order the steak they're all they're all like and then i put butter on it they're all like oh my god you're you know why are you putting butter on your steak and i just you know it's even for me for my kids i've got four grown kids and they all think that i'm a bit strange that i'm this mum that eats differently to them um, but you just have to, I just can't eat any other way because I just feel so much better. And as I delve into that carnivore lifestyle, I know that it's only going to improve. Yeah. What, what, what do they say then when, when, when you say that, you know, that, you know, well, look, look at me and, and, and kind of look at you. <laughs> do, 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 I mean, well, maybe, maybe you're not that it, blunt. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not that blunt. And it's, do you know what I've found working in, uh, with women, I don't know if it's really fair to say or it's generalised, but I mean this from my heart. Women don't see themselves as they are. Like if they have got a bit of an extra muffin tire around their belly, some of them don't notice that it's there. It's it's a really weird um, concept to get your head around. They just don't see it. So they don't think they have to change. There's nothing that they need to do, but it's obviously there. Although they don't want to see it yeah. or it's too hard. Yeah, I'm not sure that's just that's just females. I think that's everyone, you know. Really, I think it's just it's so normalized now mm-hmm. that we're we're overweight. Uh, it's normalized that we have pain. Mm. It's normalized that we have stress and anxiety and depression. Mm. Uh, it's normalized okay. that we just have to scrape ourselves out of bed in the morning, uh, and this is all this is all normal. Um, and and so people don't know that they they're not meant to be like that. And mm-hmm. so they don't see the need to change because to them mm-hmm. it's it's pretty normal. Uh, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. this this message is reinforced mm-hmm. uh, when when you go to the doctor, you go to see people, you talk to friends, family, and so on. They just say, "Oh, you know, that's that's just life. That's just normal." Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. But 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 it's not. Um, and I don't think we do we do people a, uh, we do them a disservice if we if we tell them that you know this is normal. Um, so I try and tell them you know this is this is not normal. Uh, you know, if you, if you choose to stay like this, look, that's your choice, but this is not actually normal. You should, in your sixties, you should feel like a, like a teenager, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, genet- genetically you're, you're, you're barely middle-aged. That's uh, right. You know, you yeah, shouldn't, hopefully. you shouldn't be feeling, <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't be feeling like you're, you're just in God's waiting room, kind of just, just, just waiting to, but, to, to but croak, lots you know? of people have that point of view, don't they? Lots of people have that they point do. of view. Oh, I'm just getting old and I think, oh, are you really? But can you you yeah. know you can change this around and it's I think as well for some people the change around is so hard so the social norms get to them and they think they've got to do this and they have to eat that and you know they've got to be polite to people mm. and not say I'm not having that on my plate um until yeah. we can get past those ideologies we're a bit stuck that's right we are we are but also uh i think a lot of people and i'm sure there's people out there listening saying yeah i know but i've tried it all i've done it all yes and it it never works Mm. and i think that's a big part of the problem as well is that people you know and i see all the time i'm sure you see all the time as well 
you know, people, they've, they've tried. They've tried yes, to lose they weight. Have. They've tried they've to tried be healthy. They, 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 you know, they've, they've tried, but it, nothing ever seems to work. And so mm-hmm. they, they give up. Um, mm-hmm. And then when they're presented with this, this thing of, well, actually, you can be healthy, you can lose weight, you can feel good, they, they don't believe that they can. No. Because their truth, not, their reality is yeah. that, they, that, they, that they've tried it and they, and they, and they, and they can't. Mm-hmm. They've been shown repeatedly that it, that yes. it just can't work. Absolutely. Um, so it can be very difficult to then to then get them on board. Mm. Um, so you, so you spoke to your to your family about it as well. I mean, what 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 do your what do, what do your kids kind of think then of you of well, you eating this kind of more carnivore animal based? Well, it's funny because we're at Christmas time and we're all away on a camping holiday. Me and my two daughters, and the 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 joke was that my catchphrase was, how many carbs has it got in that? Or are we? how many carbs are you putting on my plate? You know, that was my, my title for the day. And then um, the next thing was they decided next year, because we always do a secret Santa for Christmas, and they said next year we're going to do a secret T-shirt. We're going to get T-shirts printed with a slogan about the person for the T-shirt. And mine was going to be... Um, just eat meat or have you got meat in your diet or eat more meat or because I was loading everyone's plates up with extra meat. So so it's a bit of a standing joke. And then I've got one son who was vegetarian ages ago. He's now eating meat and he looks much healthier. He wouldn't probably appreciate me saying that, but he does. And he kind of looks at me sideways like, what are you doing? And you're not having enough veggies on your plate. He's trying to load me up. So it's difficult, but I just laugh them off. Yeah, for my family, yeah. I just love them off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, surely they must appreciate though that you are healthy. Yeah, that you feel great that you're not Mm-mm. on loads of medications. Mm-mm-mm. Yet they still kind of say, "Is this okay?" Yeah, isn't, isn't they're still questioning. It is. It's very interesting, and it's hard for me to watch what they're eating because I think, oh man, if I was 35 and I knew what I knew, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be doing this. And you know what, how much stronger would I be at 60 if I followed that pathway? You know, it's just, for me, it's like writing on the wall. This is what you have to do, but it's hard to get that message across. You just have to be an example and try and do your best. I think you're right. I think that's the best way is just lead by example, show them how healthy you can be. Uh, show show people that there isn't really a downside to this way of eating, at least as far as we know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then the proof's in the pudding, so so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, of course, if I can go back, uh, that you had a diagnosis of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah, uh, and you you lost your spleen as part yes. of all of that. Maybe you yeah. can explain uh, expand on that a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, how old was I? Forty eight. I was 48 and I just found a little lump in my belly, but I didn't really know what it was. And um, I went to my GP and I got sent off to my specialist pretty quickly, a hematologist who was gorgeous. He's since retired, but he was a really treasure, really lovely old Scottish gentleman, really gentle, which is what I needed. And um, obviously I they realised this lump was actually my spleen. So my spleen was two kilos. It was like a carton of milk I'm going to use that word um and there should be around 80 grams I believe about as big as your fist so it was massive and it had to come out so uh, I had no platelets because my spleen was full of all my platelets so I didn't have a clotting factor much in my blood so I was pretty lucky that I found it and it was um 
taken out in a massive surgery um, and I had eight weeks to recover before they actually gave me the diagnosis of what type of the uh, lymphoma it was. So it ended up being a marginal zone marginal zone B splenic lymphoma. And so every year I go for checkups, I go for blood tests. I had to have, I think I had Mabthera, which is a type of chemotherapy, um, but it's more along the immunotherapy base, um, which I felt more comfortable about having. Um, And it just worked. It just worked for me. It was phenomenal because the the actual Mabthera um, hooked onto a protein on the lymphoma cell, a CD20 protein, and it highlighted that cell to my immune system and it can, that then they blow up the cell. That's how it seemed to work. So for me, it worked really well. And I had two years of once a month treatment and then it kind of spread out to once every six months and then nothing. So it took five years to go through that, that plan. And it just shook me. Like, you know, I thought I was pretty healthy. I didn't think there was much wrong with me and how could that have happened, which is why I, you know, I went off and did some studies with Paul Check. He's a holistic life guru in the US and learned about organic foods and connecting back to the earth and being uh, more aware of your surroundings and more in touch with who you are. So I went off on that spiritual journey for a while to find out how I connected to my body and what happened. And then along came the food. The food just come hand in hand. Um, is that what you wanted to hear? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, you're. Uh, are you still seeing the the hematologist or an oncologist now? Yeah, I have now? to go. Yes, I do. I go. I've spread my visits out to once a year because I feel like once every six months comes up too quick, and of course, there's always mm. that apprehension. It's like, oh, I have to go yeah. and have that test. But um, my blood tests are always fine. There's nothing really crazy good. with them, and uh, I just keep a positive mindset to try and look after yeah, myself the good. best I can. Yeah. Good, good. Do, do they know that you're doing a, like an animal-based carnivore diet now? It's an interesting story because I've gotten to know my hematologist quite well. So I do put in these little things about what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. And he's he's had patients that have been on a keto diet and he said, oh, you know, the patients waste away and they, it doesn't do them any good and he doesn't understand about, he doesn't seem to hear me say that your brain needs those fats and your brain feeds on the fats. So every time I go, I've got a 15-minute time slot and I try and put in a little bit of dietary information to him through that. I've, I've invited Tim to the low-carb roadshow, which we've got coming to Perth. Um, I think you've probably got one coming to Brisbane. Um, I don't know whether he'll come. But, you, yeah, I just have to keep putting my words in yeah. his head. <laughs> It's a shame, really, isn't it? Because, I mean, uh, you, you would have thought, I mean, being a hematologist, oncologist, uh, they would maybe know a little bit about the, the mitochondrial theory, you know, metabolic mm. theory of cancer as well, mm. uh, and maybe be, be exploring that and at least be a little bit more open, you know, to that. But um, then again, that's not what we teach in medical school. So, no, you're not. You know, um, and we, I understand we teach, that. It's just, it's just drugs. That's it. Drugs, mm. drugs for everything. So, mm-hmm. um what was it like having the 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 the, the uh, treatments? Because you said it was more of a of a uh, immune therapy as opposed to a chemotherapy. Yeah, so I've got a, a daughter who at the time was doing an environmental science degree. She started looking into all the vitamins I needed to take, vitamin C, all the 
all the combinations of stuff and she searched research she said mom you can't have chemotherapy we're not letting you put that in your veins and then I said well no I've chosen just to have this immunotherapy and it's frightening as hell it is frightening as hell because you just don't know what to expect and I guess even having a PET scan in itself is frightening because that is a radiation, like the, the needle is, uh, the, the solution, I don't know if you know about PET scans, you probably do, the solution is in a radioactive um, formula. So the nurses can't even touch that needle. And you're put in a, mach- in a machine with a machine that injects you, the needle goes in. And of course, that needle is full of glucose and radiation. So the cancer cells suck up that glucose. This is when I first realized that sugar was a problem. They suck up that glucose because that's what they feed on. And then they the radiation gets drawn into those cells and they become a Christmas tree on your body. And that's where they know where the cancer is. So that's that was my first um, feeling about that. But then having the actual treatment myself, you know, you give your arm away. It's strapped into a... Um, a, a table it's strapped down and in goes the the juice that you think is saving you and it, it, you, you kind of think is it going to burn is it going to hurt will I lose my breath is my heart going to explode all of those stresses come around at, at that time and then I guess after you've done it four or five times it just becomes a bit blasé and you just end up going because you know that it's not going to feel terrible but I still didn't know what it was doing to the rest of my body you know, I knew that it was probably attacking the cancer, but I didn't know what it was doing to the rest of my body. Um, yeah. And I still And that's know. without, yeah, and that's without even any of the toxic effects. That's just mm. mentally what it was, what it yeah. was doing to you. Yeah. Um, I imagine it must, must, must be very scary. And, and it's interesting you say, of course, there about the glucose being taken up and that's what we're referring to there with the metabolic theory of, mm. of cancer yes. that really they pretty much purely feed on on glucose they lose the ability cancer cells lose the ability to uh, metabolize ketone bodies Uh, and so by then starving them of glucose theoretically theoretically we can't say it cures cancer but potentially it has the ability to then be essentially a perfect chemotherapy with zero side effects to the body and and perfect you know uh, perfectly working on the cancer cells but not sure it quite works exactly like that, but potentially, you know, it could. Um, but yeah, I mean, even even then, the the you know the PET scan, as you said, it's kind of you know, it's like when when you know someone someone does a CT or the you know the dentist does an X-ray and they kind of oh don't worry, we're just going to put this thing on your face and then they kind of all run out of the room and hide behind yeah. the corner. <laughs> yeah, it's but, dangerous, but, but, but even 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 more so. Yeah, not dangerous, but we're just going to stand a mile away just in case. Yeah, just know. in case. Um, that's it. It's a shame, really, that the the hematologist isn't isn't doesn't seem particularly interested in in the diet. Side. I haven't that's, given that's up. It's a bit of a shame, yeah. but yeah, I haven't yeah, given you're up. You're gonna keep 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 trying to push. Yeah, I'm gonna send um, him a few articles to read. I've I've been reading some <laughs> articles, so he might get a little bit of stuff in his inbox soon. <laughs> Hopefully, his ladies I, will pass them on. Hopefully, they won't just yeah hit delete. Um, I, I think that's really important. Now. I mean, as as doctors, we we should be open to learning. Mm. Um, and I, I said it on an interview I was doing for someone else's podcast last night. You know, I can't remember his name now. I always forget the CEO of Microsoft. Um, uh-uh. and, and, and he says, I can't remember. I never remember his name. Is it Bill Gates? Uh, you know, no. No, no. no, no so, somebody so, else. So after Bill Gates. Oh. Uh, and, and he says, we should be learn-it-alls, not, not know-it-alls. Uh, yeah. Um, because when you're a know-it-all, you're closed to learning new things. And yeah, if you learn it all, yeah. well, then you can learn it all. 
And, and nobody knows everything. I mean, even the most intelligent people in the world know less than 1% of, of the world's collective knowledge. I mean, yeah, exactly. So we should be open to learning, especially as doctors. And, and we all talk about CPD and ongoing, you know, continuing professional development. Yet a lot of us are very closed to hearing mm-hmm. new things. And it's that's really do you hear new things though? Like if you go to CPD, do you hear new useful things? No, or is it a replay of the old? Yeah. 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 No, you don't. It's it's just the same the same guidelines, uh, the same things that that are twenty or thirty years out of date, just repeated. Um, mm. And everyone's there studious studiously taking notes, but they they know it all already because it's just repeating what they already know. Uh, I have which um, is which is kind of just pointless. I've found a couple of lower lower carb GPs in Perth. One is a carnivore GP, but your patients are so lucky to have you. You know, you're like a gold beacon in your in your community because they're far and Thank few between. Saying. Yeah, it's true though because yeah. you know I've watched some of your videos on your website and I think, wow, you're just giving out such phenomenal information and people need to soak it up. And I think for me, as I've gotten older and I've got more time because now my children have all moved out and gone and on their separate ways, I. I'm just like a lifelong student. I just want to know more and more and more and more. And I feel like even even movement, like for as you age and making sure that you're moving and you're keeping your joints strong and you're flexible in your body, it's it, it, it reaches into your mindset as well. You have to be always on the lookout for something new and positive and, you know, like nutrient-dense food and nutrient-dense uh, information into your brain as well because that's, Otherwise, there's nothing. What What's your point? You know, mm. what's the point? There's so much to know. There's so much I, I to know. I agree. Thank, thank you. Thank you for saying. I mean, I, I certainly do try. You know, I, I'm inspired by my patients and I'm inspired to do to do well, you know, for my patients. Mm. Um, I, and, and if I don't know something, you know, I'll, I'll go and try and learn it and, and, and do the best I can to help Great. them in whatever way possible Good. and that's what's led me on onto this journey and where i am now mm. uh, is actually by being open and listening listening to my patients and, and taking mm. their experiences and then and then applying them to myself um and like like yourself i mean i think a lot of people that do this kind of work like yourself like myself like other doctors um it often starts with themselves yes as a as an experiment you know they, mm. they maybe heard something or very often their own health journey mm-hmm. um, and then they come across Absolutely. this this eureka moment and, and they just, they can't help but but share it. Uh, and that sounds exactly like what happened to you. Yeah. Uh, but you went off and did lots of further further learning and, and, and studying and you got your uh, uh, BA, Bachelor. a master's in nutrition? Uh, just bachelor's, yeah, bachelor bachelor's, of nutrition yeah. with, with uh, Torrance. But it doesn't allow me that bachelor's degree. Oh, it doesn't allow me to, like I can't be a dietitian. So I have to spend another two years at uni and another $36,000 to be learn something I don't want to learn, you know, just to get that bit of paper so that doctors will refer to me. So currently in WA, I'm finding it difficult to get any GPs to really take on board what I've learned because it goes against what they've been told. And we know, you know, Gary Fetke had a hard time when he changed the way he thought and, I guess it's a fear. You didn't. You didn't find that. You didn't have that issue yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely do. do. 
yeah. yeah, I mean, for Gary Fetke's come up a number of times on on this on this channel. Yeah. Um, but for anyone that hasn't hasn't listened to previous episodes, so yeah, Gary Fetke uh, is an orthopedic surgeon. I believe he's uh, he's been practicing again, I think. But mm-hmm. um, he was he was you know effectively suspended for about two to two and a half years, I think. Uh, because he was advising his patients on, on low carb diets and, Mm -hmm. you know, long story short, you know, dietetics, Australia, dietitians, Australia got, got wind of this and and were very unhappy. Um, I, I gather that, uh, you know, the, the sponsors, Coca-Cola and the sugar companies also were involved lobbying very heavily, a lot of pressure to, you know, to, to besmirch him and to discredit him. And, uh, and and to kind of you know put him under the thumb and, and apply the screws, and then eventually APRA you know were forced to then suspend him uh, do an investigation, and eventually of course found under big pressure from from the from a ground movement uh, organised by himself and his wife Belinda yes. uh, yeah. is my is my understanding anyway. Then you know got reinstated, uh, but without that he probably wouldn't have been, and his his, his career would have been would have been over. Um, just for simply advising his patients on a low carbohydrate diet to to get healthy, to lose weight, to be healthy, uh, and then not need those surgeries that he was he was you know supposedly you know uh, supposed to be offering them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a concern, and of course, there's other examples like Tim Noakes, I think uh, South uh, South Africa, if I believe. Um, there's been people in 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 America, you know, the states, the same, all, all over the world. Um, that have been punished and penalized for daring to kind of speak out against the established uh, sugar kind of consortium, so, so to speak, um, which is which is such a such a shame. It's such a crime, really. That it is been because. Silenced. Um, so I started my degree with, you know, in about when did I start my degree? About two thousand and eighteen or something like that. And I mentioned before I had to stop it and have a bit of a break from it because my daughter actually developed septic septic shock and we had a year of her um, in hospital having rehab and she lost her uh, lower legs. So now she's a bilateral amputee. Um, and when, when she was in the gym at, at Fiona Stanley, one of our major hospitals here, the other people in the gym were mostly men with type 2 diabetes that had also lost their legs. And I thought, how can you, like, to, to learn to walk again is just, you you can't even imagine how difficult that is, one leg let alone two. But also I'm reminded that you need that upper body strength to help you learn to walk again. But the whole process of having your limb taken and having that physio and all the drugs and the pain and the plastic surgeries and the leg you know it's it's not just you don't just get up and walk it's it's a whole another whole journey of learning to walk again so if you knew that you could change this or alleviate the pressure or help that type 2 diabetes go away wouldn't you just change your diet you know if that if that if that was the cause of your limb amputation and Dr Fetke was your doctor wouldn't you do everything you could do to not have that happen because that's just another whole story for another time maybe but um (laughs) yeah it's just um it was a phenomenal journey and I guess that has also put me on has put a fire in my belly to stop people from losing their limbs it's just crazy it's just madness no I'm I'm sorry to hear that about mm, about your daughter I mean it must have been been horrendous 
Yeah, she's amazing. She's great. She drives, she kayaks, she works, she's fabulous. But for these gentlemen that are still in their wheelchairs, don't can't get out because they can't walk and it's just a debilitating way to spend the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. No, yeah. you would you would think that people would be very receptive to that. And I, I I gather that a lot of his patients were, and they, there wasn't complaints. I think from his patients, no, it was not at all. Other other, other people, colleagues, yeah. and so forth that, that yeah. were complaining, which is just yeah. uh, it's just insane. But um, but no, I mean, I I I, I see this. Uh, you know, some colleagues are less than uh, less than savory sometimes. You yeah, know, when it comes to true. them. People, myself, you know, like myself and myself personally, you know, doing this kind of work, you know, speaking outside of the guidelines and mm. so on, even though, wow. you, you know, you get you get great results. And there's various reasons why why people can act in that way. Um, I, I try and just ignore it for the mm. most part, but mm. it always gnaws in the back of your mind, you know, am I, am I just going to get struck off? Am, oh. I, am I just, am I, is my life in, in danger here for, um, you know, for, for speaking out and, and trying to help people? you know, the best way I know how. Um, I did interviews with with uh, with two GPs recently who do similar work to myself. And, and mm. yeah, they pretty much just basically said like they've, they've pretty much just, one just pretty much just left the profession, the other one's on the way out oh. because they, they're worried that, mm. about the consequences. Mm. Um, you know, I myself am, am kind of slowly working out of the profession as well, uh, which mm. I don't want to. Um, but it's, you know, kind of being driven out almost by, uh, the, the worry, the fear mm, that, mm, mm. you know, by helping your patients, then you're, you're, you're putting yourself at, at risk, uh, which is such a, such a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, oh, you mentioned, yeah, it's terrible. You mentioned of course there that, uh, that you've done this BA nutrition. So, so can you not call yourself a nutritionist and then and I can, then but the word nutritionist is not really. Way? It's not really regulated, the word nutritionist. You can do a doTERRA. Mm. You can buy the doTERRA oils and become a nutritionist. It's not really um, recognised mm. as a term. So I do. That's what I do. I call myself that. But the GPs want that dietitian. They mm. want that dietitian. Yeah. yeah, which isn't. I mean, there are some fantastic low-carb dietitians in the world and, I, you know, my heart goes out to them. But there are some that just are still on that pathway and it's not helping people. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And and this this thread came up actually in one of my low carb groups on Facebook, you know, the the dietitian basically, you know, recommending uh, up and go, you know, mm. to their patients. And it's mm. and it's just it's it's processed garbage. It's it's almost know? if I dare it's, to it's, say a malpractice, isn't it, of of causing those people to eat crap. Or, food. Almost. Or, Almost. And, and it raises the question, I, I don't think um, sanitarium sponsors kind of Dietetics Australia anymore, but I know they, they used to. Uh, but some of their historically, some of their biggest sponsors have been, you know, sugar companies, mm. processed food companies, wow. drug companies. Yeah. Uh, and it's similar with things like, you know, the American Heart Association, uh, you know, and various, various organizations around the world. And it, these are the people that are setting our guidelines. And, wow. and they're so conflicted. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, you know? shocking. If you look at the roots of that, I think Belinda Fetke spoke about our food pyramid she, and how it was developed. There's a lot of work I, there. Shocks yeah. me. Shocks me how it came to be. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it really does. It, it, it's really terrible. And it, and it makes you wonder, you know, well, maybe this is why we we are in the mess that we're in. Absolutely. Um, because, yeah. you know, the people that write these guidelines are essentially the, the people making this garbage food or mm-hmm. the ones that are cleaning up afterwards. 
yes you know, and, and making making money out of people's sickness mm. um there's an incentive to keep people eating bad food and and keeping people sick isn't there mm -hmm. so it starts to make you wonder a little bit at times it sure does absolutely does yeah, it really does <laughs> um so so you're you're a nutritionist now and you're obviously helping people and trying to help them as best you can Mm. Um, do you teach people then about, about carnivore diet or do you kind of I follow am, a more lower yeah, carb approach or what's, look, what's your take what on it then? So what I found is some people like the whole carnivore approach, snap up, like it's, yep, yeah, I'm going to do that. It's easy. I'm doing it tomorrow. They do it and, they, and they're fine. Some people, you have to massage them through the change. So you have to help them to understand what food's doing to them. They have to feel that connection to what's what's going on when they eat almond meal or if they eat um, processed foods, how it feels. I think some people have to feel that change before they can make the change. So it's kind of steering them along the journey of uh, supporting them, giving them information, showing them YouTube videos to watch. Um, I do community groups where I have hold them in my local um, city council gardens and I bring people to listen to what I have to say and I give them workbooks to take home and I'm just slowly hoping that one by one I'm making a big difference or a difference to someone um and that's my that's my take that's what I do that's what I do mm. yeah yeah and do you do you find that that people are generally on board with with what you're saying or do you do you find that there is there's more resistance than than, than not there's a little bit of resistance because um of the social norms, you know, of drinking beer every night or, you know, eating cakes, big cakes for birthdays and then having cakes every day. It's not like it's hard for them to change. They want to change, but because of their cultural beliefs or just the way their family does things, it messes with the whole family dynamic sometimes and it's a bit hard for them. So that's where I think someone like myself can help them along that pathway and just hold their hands a little bit until they can see through the fog and their mind starts to clear and they can make those choices for themselves and they're not so tired, you know, because some of them are tired and worn out and they can't make those choices easily. Um, so they need someone to hold their hands a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And do you do you mainly do like face-to-face -face or is it, yeah. is it online consultations? Uh, it's do you, online. Do you do a mix or what do you do? Well, yeah, let's go go back a little bit I do online and I do do a mix so my poor Pilates ladies in my newsletters get a whole heap of stuff I just sent one through today about look at this YouTube read that go to this person and I've sent a few of them off to a couple of GPs and then they've come to me to help me with um, understanding why they're doing what they're doing which has been great I love doing that so that's more one-on-one -on -one. and then I do some online work too so that's that's where I am. I have got a little podcast that I'm starting in Perth um, and I've got an online course that I'm just about ready to set off into the universe to see what comes back. Um, yeah, that's where my space is. Yeah, no, that's very exciting, especially, you know, launching your own podcast. Yeah, um, that'll be exciting. And yeah, uh, maybe uh, if you'd if you'd have me, I'd love to I'd love to I come would, on and, definitely. And, and guest on yeah. that. Yeah, uh, for sure. Let's definitely keep in touch there. Um, I think podcasting is a really good way of getting information out there. And, and I think people, people seem to respond to it I, mm. I think pretty, pretty well. Um, and I was having this conversation with someone last night that was interviewing me for theirs uh, and they were saying the same thing that it just something about podcasting uh, just, just 
seems to grab people and, and they, they're maybe just a bit more likely to to actually listen and kind of oh yeah maybe I'll, I'll have a think well, about you can that. you can kind of listen to it in your car while you're driving or when you're running or when you're riding your bike mm. or walking you can always have a podcast in on the train they're easy and accessible aren't they yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They certainly are. And I, mean, I, I certainly first started, you know, making YouTube videos and, uh, you know, uh, maybe I'm just not very exciting to watch. I don't know, but it didn't seem to get, you know, particularly much traction. Um, uh, whereas the podcast is, 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 is definitely doing taking well. off. Yeah. yeah you're doing, doing, well. doing better than, uh, yeah. than the YouTube videos. So, uh, so I guess that's just, yeah, people like listening to just when they're, when they're commuting. And so I know I certainly listen to them in, in the car. Mm. Um, do you do any uh, any group sessions? Because I know some people do do group sessions and can find them useful. Others seem to find them not terribly useful with their patients. Do you mean group sessions face to face, or either or, or, or online? Just for as far yeah, as the I haven't, I haven't ventured, haven't ventured into that yet. Yeah, so I'm just kind of finding my way, finding what to do. But it's something that I've mm. been thinking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And the online course. So what's what's the online course? Uh, the online then? course is going to be why why would I choose like why do, why to choose why would you choose low carb low carb? I've started on the low carb way of living, um, just because I think I just wanted to talk from a layman's perspective and make it quite simple for people to understand how to shop, where to buy their food, why they wouldn't choose this, you know, why they would choose that, how to think about I think macros give people a hard time because you're so busy worrying about your macros and have you done the right thing and for me it's always been how has my body responded so I know that I've eaten the right mix or and then of course if you're eating a carnivore diet all of that doesn't really matter anyway so I feel like it I feel like the nutrition gets a bit complicated and people then give up because they don't know where what they're supposed to be doing and they hear like you said stories from this person stories from that person there's always that nutrition expert in the group of, of your friends so I feel like I just wanted to make it very uh, basic easy to understand um, and relevant relevant to mm. what is in the world at the minute and people can make their own choice yeah no, I, th- I think just yeah basic education you know, guide is, is really useful. And, and there's so much out there. It can be difficult. Mm. Uh, people don't know where to look. They get confused. Uh, one thing says one thing, another person says another, and, and it can get a little bit, a little bit confusing. So I would, I would not like to be a new mom at the minute or a mom with young children because the pressure, oh, yeah. the pressure, that what is that? What are their children eating is phenomenal. You would understand this. Oh yeah, I mean we've we've got we've got three young kids. We've got uh, our oldest is seven, our youngest is two. Uh, we've got another one on the way as well. Nice, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's 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 really hard as a hard. parent because you know there's so much pressure from the schools. Uh, mm. and our kids go to a great school. Uh, I won't say which. Uh, they, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they 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 go to a great school uh, here in Brisbane, and um, you know they're doing fantastically, but you know, annoys me that they, they have to have these like brain booster snacks, you know, when uh-huh. there's, when there's zero evidence that the kids no, need no. anything to boost their brain function. Yeah. And, and to be fair, they, they don't want them having sugary, sugary foods, nice. uh, processed sugary foods, but then they get angry. They get upset with us parents when we don't put fruit yeah. for, a, for a brain yeah. booster, Yes, which is, which is still sugar. Yes, it and, is. And then we're, <laughs> and then we're, we're saying, okay, mid morning snack, you have to have sugar. And then in the afternoon, they're kind of just conked out because they've had a massive dose yeah. of sugar. 
Um, thankfully, oh. they're, they're not at the point where they're going through lunch boxes or anything like that. But, um, you know, it, it raises the question, you know, though, about with, with parents. And I know um, you may have seen this Edinburgh in Scotland. Uh, for anyone that's not aware, Edinburgh have basically taken the steps to ban meat from oh. uh, school. Oh, I think it's truly. schools daycares and uh, elderly facilities no because yeah why because 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 oh, um, oh, oh. yeah i haven't i haven't Shocking. seen the rationale for that um it's just i've seen the headlines um i know belinda fecky's been been putting out stuff on this as well um yeah it's insane i mean i, I can't possibly understand the rationale for that um, mm. i mean you and i both know of course and i hope some of our listeners will will know as well um, you know, meat is so important for our mm. brain function, the saturated fat, the protein, the essential amino acids, um, the, the nutrient, you know, dense meat that kids need, you mm, know, mm. El elderly mm. people need, they're desperate mm. for protein. Um, and then we come back to the anti-nutrients from, from plant proteins, like the lectins and so on yeah, that really can protein. cause a lot of issues. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and there's evidence to support the use of things like saturated fat, you know, in, in patients with dementia, for example. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and there's evidence that, that low-carb diets, and particularly keto and most likely carnivore, can help patients with dementia. And, you know, and dementia is rife in, in, in nursing homes. I read a, saw a statistic the other day. It was uh, something like 60% of nursing home residents have no. dementia. Uh, and it's getting it's getting worse. Dementia is now the number one in Australia. Anyway, I saw a newsletter from the Royal College of GPs. Uh, it's the number one health health burden in over sixty five year olds. I think it was. Wow, that's um, not far from me. That's not far from right. Over, from me. overtaking heart disease. Um, wow. In terms of in terms of kind of life life lost and economic, you know, down down, yes. you know, fall and yes. so forth. And it is now life number lost. One. Yeah, it is yeah, life lost. Absolutely. It? And it's it's the most horrendous condition. Anyone that's experienced dementia, uh, either themselves if they're listening, or or in, in loved ones or people they know, it's the most horrendous condition. Mm -hmm. um, and I st I still remember my grandmother having dementia, and it was just it was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. Oh, but my dad passed and, away from dementia. Yeah, it was yeah. it's pretty sad. Yeah, but it, it's insane that then, you know, there's there's organizations out there like this that are just banning meat. Wow. Um, and, and it makes wow, you wonder as a parent. Yet. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, like as a parent, I said to my wife the other day, I said, you know, if our school bans meat, like they're, they're, I'm, I'm banning that school. Like I'm just I'm banning another school, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there's just, there's just like insane, you know, and, uh, but there's so much pressure that they come home and they say, you know, why can't I have what everyone else is eating? Why can't I yes, have right. you know, sweets so and chocolate? Yes, right. So it's already started. Yes. And, yes. and so on, you know, and, and, and that's very difficult because then you feel, you feel like the bad guy. Mm, uh, mm. Thankfully, our, our kids are actually pretty good. And, good. and now after about four months, yeah, basically since I started my journey good. on a much more animal-based diet, Yes. Uh, they actually don't want that junk food anymore. For the most part, look, they're still mm. they're still young kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of they they, are. they they haven't asked for like a Macca's or a, or a KFC in probably three months. What a wonderful uh, branding! About a them. month into yeah. it, so you know, and and they they say, "Oh, can we have a lolly?" No, okay. 
Oh, you know, it. there's there's no tantrums anymore. They're just okay, fine. Well, we, we thought we'd try our luck, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I can say with my family, I've noticed them slowly buying the, uh, you know, the what is it, the Lakato sugar, Lakanto sugars, the sugar-free sugars to bake right. with, and they're kind of slowly changing over. Um, Easing in, yeah, yeah. So it is. It's tricky, isn't it, as a parent? So you, I yeah. wouldn't like to have it's, little kids. It's, no, it's it's very tricky. And one of our one of my uh, eldest daughter's friends uh, is uh, they're, they're a vegan family, and mm-hmm. uh, you know like we're 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 very nice with them. We're very friendly yes. with them, and, yeah, and so course. forth. You know, um, but you know, and they're and they're saying, well, you know, this 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 you know this this girl says, well, well, meat's bad for you, and mm. uh, and it, and it's going to kill you. Uh, and then they're eating sitting there eating their their lunchbox full of meat, and then they're coming home saying. You know why? Why are you trying to kill me? Oh um, gosh! You know, and because well, my friend says it, so it so it must be true. Must be true, yes. Uh, and then so we have to then you know try and educate them. But then how do you how do you educate them by saying, well, you know that person's yeah. incorrect, um, without then insulting you know, those other yep. people and, and yep. trying to explain to a to a five and a seven year old, you know why maybe they might be incorrect and and so on so that's 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 tough there's a lot of societal pressures there mm-hmm. um but i i definitely noticed with my kids though that they their behavior improved their wow, okay you know dare i say it their intelligence improved yeah it would do um their like just energy levels dramatically being able improved. to concentrate from as well going at animal school. Based. yeah yeah absolutely my uh my, my two-year-old my youngest uh, we we call her the carnivore baby because yeah, pretty much from like day one she she would just eat meat like she would just violently refuse like any kind yeah, of carbohydrate struggles. any sugar any just even carbs like just mm. just anything oh. she was just no not just interested give me meat. Feed the baby it was meat. literally just just meat cheese and and butter. And, and she just goes to the fridge and just gets butter and eats it now. Yeah. Um, and God. she's a bit more into carbs now that she's grown yeah. up a bit. But um, but she is she is so advanced for a two year old. Like she's barely two and she's and she's toilet trained and almost wow, overnight gorgeous. as well. No. Oh, nice. Like that's she was switched that's on. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Just to... just totally totally with it. Her nice. language skills is is like almost like a four year old. Um, right. like dexterity and and everything and like she's so muscular we call her we call her the tank yeah <laughs> right wow she's cool just, she's just so built how um, beautiful and, and she and she basically grew up carnivore now like maybe it's coincidence i don't know but uh the other two didn't really grow up like like a, like a carnivore so and and they are not built like a tank not built like a tank <laughs> <laughs> so, and they are less less coordinated shall we say and maybe a little bit less athletic yeah uh, still highly highly intelligent but, yeah. Uh, yeah but a little, a little bit different so maybe it's coincidence i don't know but we don't know you won't we'll see know. what this next one turns yes, out yes like. that's what i was going to say uh, wait till the, and then, then we'll then one. we'll have two and we'll have two and two to compare yeah so. yeah um so uh, is there anything, because we, we've been talking for about an hour now, I'm conscious yeah. of your time, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, we spoke we spoke about quite a lot of stuff tonight, and I think it's been we a really, did. really good conversation. Yeah, Hopefully our, our viewers and listeners are, are finding it useful. Um, is there anything else that you want to mention that we haven't haven't covered already, Linda, maybe about, about your business or about the work that you're doing there? Um, oh gosh, I suppose for me, it's just getting my name getting people to understand my point of view, which I find all I can do is put this out through social media, but I'm also not 
real good at putting things on social media. I just don't remember to do it. I'm so bad. But I think just exposure and your podcast is one way of doing that. So thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Really interesting yeah, conversation. No, you're very, very welcome. It really has. And no, I, I certainly feel you. I mean, I, I am terrible at social media as well. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm trying. Mm, I'm trying. Mm, I'm trying to. Um, yeah, but I feel like I need a social media manager to just kind of keep cracking the whip and making yeah. you post stuff. Yeah. Um, how can people find you on social media so they can start to follow um, you and so encourage I'm, you to start posting? <laughs> my, my Facebook page is called The Whole Body because I feel like we are um synergistically you know spiritual wellness movement mindset nutrition i feel like i am all about those things so that's my handle my facebook name group um i have a website of the same name and instagram is the same so they're all i'm just on those platforms until my mm. podcast launches but then i'll have another little platform remember to put things on there yeah so that's that's where i am i'm perth-based um online or one-on-one yeah yeah no that's perfect it. so it's the, it's the the whole body the whole body the whole body and your website's yeah, the whole body dot me dot me yes because i couldn't have dot com dot au i had to have dot me which i thought was pretty cool because it's about the body being you mm. know the one me the person yeah that's me. Yeah, no, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. Well, anyone out there that's that's listened to this, that's watched this episode, please go follow Linda on, at The Whole Body uh, and thewholebody.me is her website there. I encourage her to go and, go and post on her Instagram and social media. Uh, definitely yeah. keep an eye out for her, her podcast uh, when that launches. And certainly, Linda, get in touch if you're happy to have me on the show. Sure, I would definitely. be more than happy to come on and, 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 and talk to you again. It's been great fun having a chat with you this evening. Yeah, and hopefully our listeners have, have had great value today. Thank you. Thanks so much. And you're, have a good, good rest very, of your week. You're very welcome. Thank <laughs> you. Right. And you too. Take care of yourself. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for this. Li- Thank you for listening to this episode of the Meek Medic Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help to spread the word that how, how we can improve mental and physical health through diet and nutrition. If you are imp- interested in improving your own... Okay, let's just re-record that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Meek Medic Podcast. If you found this episode useful, please leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help out the channel to grow. If you have found this useful and you want to improve your physical and mental health further, please do check out my website, themeekmedic.com, where you can find all my eBooks are currently 50% off with the code 50OFF. That's code 50OFF50OFF for 50% off all eBooks. Take care. Thank you. See you in the next episode.